you have your Bibles this morning, you'll take and turn with me to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 13, Man, so thankful for, man, just these guys leading us in a time of worship this morning, and man, I, I can't express enough how uh, important and historical today is, and being a, a sent, uh, ascending church, and so Acts chapter number 13 is very appropriate for us today, as we read the first five verses there, Acts chapter 13. We're going to start reading in verse number one. If you have your Bibles, you follow along with me. Uh, otherwise, uh, on the screen or follow along in your Bibles. Uh, the Bible tells us, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who were, was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manana, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Salt, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salmas, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. Today we celebrate through worship and prayer as we send the Polson family to Everett, Massachusetts. Today we, we rejoice in our church becoming a sending church to the nations. And my prayer for us today, my prayer for us as we go forward is that we will continue to live sent lives from Sheral to the ends of the earth. Men, today I can't tell you I have looked forward to, but also hesitantly looked forward to this day. My prayer has always been for us as a church to be a transformational church by sending out our own to share the gospel around the world. And so last May, Joe and I made a visit on a, a vision trip to Boston to see if it's a place where our church would be willing to connect, if that's where God would have us to connect with that city as we uh, figured out where God wanted us to, to fit in and fulfilling Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And it was while we were there that Joe felt like Boston was the city, was the place that God was calling him to, was calling his family to, to go and plant their lives there. And so we get back and begin the, the whole assessment process, and, and man, almost for the last year, been going through a series of things, and so what we have seen from the beginning, man, the very first time, I remember having an encounter with Joe, and, and, and when Greg was here, Greg talking with Joe, that he felt like, man, God was calling him to the mission field, but just did not know where, but over the course, Joe, of the last 10 years, over the course of the last 10 plus years, God has been working in your life, in your family's life, for this moment. Church, I want you to know that why is significant today? You say, man, why is it a big deal? I want you to know that we as a church were planted by a church in Welchneck and Society Hill. We were planted, but how important it, uh, is it for us that not only were we planted, but we are sending folks out to plant other churches. It's a big deal. I'm telling you, it's, it's huge. And so today we get to be a sending church, sending out an amazing family to a city that is less than 2% evangelical. 
In our passage this morning, we read the first church that intentionally sent out missionaries to carry the gospel message to the lost world. And so the church we read about in the passage is the church at Antioch. In a book called The Case for Antioch, we get a picture, a little more detailed picture of what the church is, but in Scripture we see an eyewitness account of what the church at Antioch did. And so this morning, I'm going to share with you very quickly this morning. We have a lot going on here today, but also, listen, we got food at the end of the service. Amen? Amen. So you don't have to stand in line today, so you just pay attention for this next hour and a half we're here together. So number one, we are to be a church that believes in and follows God's command. We are to be a church that believes in and follows God's command. Listen, Matthew chapter 28 And verse number 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us God's command for us is to go and make disciples. Ed Setzer shared, God has chosen the church to make known His manifold wisdom. In His sovereign plan, God uses the church and His imperfect members for His perfect plan. Church, we have been commissioned and commanded by King Jesus to evangelize the whole world. Listen, every single person of the 7.7 billion people on the planet is to be the object of our evangelizing passion. Every single person of the 17,104 people groups in the world is to be our focus, our mission strategy. Listen, every single person of the 7,173 unreached people groups, a population of 3.1 billion is to be the assignment of our 44 plus thousand churches. Listen, every single person of the 5.7 million unengaged people, meaning no gospel presence at all, must not be left off of us praying for and lifting them up. Listen, as Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37 and 38 tells us, it says, send forth labors into the harvest. Church, we must believe in the gospel message that God has commanded us in the Great Commission to take the gospel to the nations. And in the book of Acts, we see this coming to Fruition from Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, where God tells us that the Holy Spirit will come and descend, and that we are to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But, church, we must continue that in the 21st century. Antioch, composed of transformed people, transformed its community, the, the Mediterranean region, and the world as we know it. Antioch now was a large, complex, pluralistic, multicultural city. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire Empire, with a population of 500 to 800,000 people. Now I want you to think about that. 500 to 800,000 people. And this is before indoor plumbing. This is before a complex sewer system would be ever installed. This is before a systemized Garbage collection and disposal. Let's think about that just for a moment. Listen, we complain when the trash don't come pick up in our neighborhood on Wednesdays. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Third largest city. Located today 12 miles from the uh, Assyrian border. 
Antioch was known as a cosmopolitan city of religious pluralism, worshiping a pantheon of gods and goddesses. But I want you to understand this morning, church, that the gospel thrived in Antioch. The gospel thrived in Antioch. The church at Antioch was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The, listen to this. The intentional sending out of missionaries to overseas locations was unique to the church in Antioch. In the book of Acts, the gospel had advanced outside of Jerusalem mainly due to persecution and a few special cases of divine intervention like, Pilate, like Peter being caught was going to, to visit with Cornelius and then Philip and his encounter with the Ethiopian. But up to this point, people have been forced out of Jerusalem, but they have taken the gospel with them. And by God's grace, made many new disciples. But in this particular passage of Scripture, we see a strategic plan, strategy, to take the gospel to the world. Here, the missionaries are intentionally sent out which is evidence of the church beginning to grasp God's heart to make the gospel known to the ends of the earth. Church, I want you to know that as we are going, that's what that word says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, what it means to go, but as we are going, whether it's in Boston, whether it's in Puerto Rico, or whether it's right here in our community, there is nothing more important than the gospel. J.D. Greer shared this, Jesus is not just the most important part of your life, He is your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse number 2, we'll be studying on Wednesday nights, it says this, Paul goes on to say to the Corinthian church, he says, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Church, we should be known as a gospel people. Listen, I don't want people to know us because we attend First Baptist. I don't want people to know us based on who the staff is at First Baptist. I want people to know us in our community and throughout the world for nothing else than the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Listen, my name will fade and people will forget me. Your name will fade and people will forget you. But I promise you, as we read through the Bible, that the name that is above every name that will never be forgotten, that one day we will all bow, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, we only have bandwidth in our communities to be known for a couple of things. And I want nothing more than be known for the gospel. So we must be, as a church, must believe in what, what the commission that God has given us. Must be committed to that. The second thing is this, is that we are to be a church that looks beyond ourselves. We're to be a church that looks beyond ourselves. The Bible says that while they were worshiping, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so in Acts, we read about these two men, Barnabas and Saul. When you hear that, you go back and, and you look through the book of Acts and you get some more uh, description about these folks. In Acts chapter number 9, we read about, uh, particularly, we read about Saul who goes on in chapter 13. It says it's also called Paul. We read about his conversion. In Acts chapter 11 and verse number 24, we read a description about Barnabas, and it says very simply this, that Barnabas, a man full 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us in here may think, well, man, how in the world is a person supposed to be filled by the Spirit? Is there a formula? Is there some steps I need to take? I want you to know that there, aren't some, there isn't a formula, there isn't some steps, but I want you to know there's some aspects to it. And the first thing is this, to be full of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, is it happens at conversion. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell inside of each and every one of us. And it's at that moment and at that time we have all of the Holy Spirit that we will ever need. But also, another aspect of being filled by the Holy Spirit is surrendering control of your life. Now, I want you to think about this. How many of us would be willing to say this morning, I have a problem giving up complete control of my life? Don't raise your hand because we would all have to do it. Amen? We all like to be controlled of our lives and what we do and all those things. Listen, I wish I could tr control so many parts in my life, but I can't. It's out of my control. And I am to surrender everything that I am to Christ. He is to have complete control of my life. Now, listen, I, it's not ideal to take your whole entire family and, and move to Boston from everything that you know, surrounded by family and friends. But guess what? For the Polsons, it's not about them controlling their lives. But it's about Christ being in control of their lives. How about in our lives? Are you in control or is Christ in control of your life? But I want you to also understand this about the Spirit. A third aspect of the Holy Spirit, being filled by the Holy Spirit, is stopping sinful behavior. Listen, since the Holy Spirit enters your life at conversion, being filled with the Spirit is more about removing barriers. Barriers to His flow through you obtaining, uh, uh, obtaining something new. The Bible warns us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 19, it says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Can I tell you, there's a lot of Sundays we quench the Spirit. How? We neglect spiritual disciplines like praying during the week. We neglect spiritual dif disciplines like reading our Bible, like worship. And I want you to know this. This is probably one of the biggest reasons we quench the Spirit is our attitude and our actions. When we come in with a bad attitude, a selfish attitude, our actions have spoke about that all week long. Listen, it's hard for the Holy Spirit to work in that because you're controlling you instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to live in control of your life. But the Holy Spirit must, we must be full of the Holy Spirit. Church, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit today is alive and well and still working. He's still working. Listen, a transformational church experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in their worship service right here in Acts chapter 13. They had a holy expectation. Something will happen every time they gather together. How about us? That every time we walk through the doors of this church every Sunday, do we have a holy expectation that God is going to show up and do something in my life? Do we have that kind of expectation? Listen, when we ride through the fast food, we expect it to be fast food. When we sit down in the restaurant, we have expectations that what we order is what we're going to get. Anybody ever got something wrong? But I want you to understand that when we come into the house of God, it's that we don't have expectations of God doing something. We have 
uh, an agenda in the sense of saying, hey, you know what, I'm here, let's do this so I can get to the house. But every time we come in the doors of the church, there should be a holy expectation, a holy expectation for God to move and work in our church's life, but in our lives individually. You with me this morning? Listen, I know that the Holy Spirit is working in the Polson's life. Why? Because just over a year ago, under a year ago, last November, we found out that Joe and Jesse had to raise $75,000 for their first year. Man, you talk about just overwhelmed by that. And right now, Joe, you tell me if I'm wrong. I, I try to find and research, but I know we've done some things. But at the end of July, we have raised, uh, along with your giving, right at $75,000. Amen? Listen, also, they had to sell their house. And it was a couple days before we left to go to Boston that they were able to sign a contract on their house. I don't know that the Holy Spirit is working. I also seeing that for the next four months, they had to find a place to live. They were supposed to be living in a place called Somerville. It's not opened up until November. They had to find somewhere else to live. But God opened the opportunity to live in a, in a city called Brighton for the next four months for just a whopping $2,950 a month. But you know the good thing about that? The North American Mission Board is paying half of that for the first four months. Man, I'm telling you, there's no doubt that the Holy Spirit is moving and working in their life. Listen, then this past uh, Tuesday, we were in Everett. And there were eight of us that were walking around Everett, and we were just praying, praying over the city, praying for God to show up and, and just to move and open up doors. And then Mark Phillips, which is the pastor of, of Pine Grove in Chesterfield, he walks around and he walks up to this First Baptist Church. And he's taking a picture and the lady yells at him. Says, hey. He thought he was in trouble for taking pictures. And she comes up to him and says, hey, would you like to come inside and see our place? And she begins to tell him, and, and we come up at about this time, she begins to tell him that for the last two years they don't have a pastor. There's two services that are held there. It's a Haitian service and what's the other one? Portuguese service that's taking place there. But every single month, month or week, month, 500 people that come through that place to get food and to get clothes. God opened up this past Tuesday a door for the Polsons just to be able to get in, just to start serving, and just to start loving on the people in Everett. Man, I'm telling you, God is at work. There's no doubt in my mind that God has been at work through this entire process. The church at Antioch, the Bible says as we look at that, that as they're worshiping, it gives you uh, understanding as you go on to read that the church at Antioch, they sent two of their best. Two of their best to go and spread the gospel. Now, I got to tell you, selfishly, I want Joe and Jesse to be here. I'm with Joey. I want them to stay. Amen? But as I think about this, there are 46,000 people in Everett. And there's no life-giving church. That it would be selfish for us as a church to say, hey, you can't go. And so I want you to look here at a few pictures that we've taken of Everett this past week.
it got the sound to it still or no? All right. Scott, can you turn the sound on? There is power Come on. in the name of Jesus. Come on, you declare it. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power, there is power in the name, in the name of Jesus. We know where it is to break and break so it's here and ever just a portion of it of a, of a city of a place that Joe and Jesse will be living and again I, I want to emphasize to you that it there is no life giving church in the area now I want you to think about where we live in South Carolina Joey said something earlier Listen, if we get upset in the church, and I know this doesn't typically happen in Southern Baptist churches, we all get along, everything goes great, smoothly, we, we stay where we're at the rest of our lives, but in the case that we do get upset and something don't go our way, we don't like something that happens, we can go to a different church on the corner. But in Everett, there's not a life-giving church. It's not a place where believers, this lady shared with us, her name is Irene, shared with us that for the last two years they had not had a pastor. And so there are some Christians that are there but don't have anyone to come alongside to lead them. Church, I'm telling you, God is sending the Polson family. I want to remind you that it was first in Antioch, in chapter 11 of Acts, that they were called Christians. It was a demeaning and it was a demoralizing and, and really killing way because you know what? All they wanted to talk about was Jesus. Church, may we be known. May we be known because of who we talk about. And that message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third thing is this. We are to be a church that commits to praying and supporting the Polsons and the other missionaries. We are to be a church that commits to praying and supporting the pulse. Now listen to me. I want to clarify something right now just to kind of get this out of the bag. But I want you to know something. That in three months, the Paulson family, they're not coming back to Sherall. I want you to understand that as of today, this afternoon, Joe and Tamar, Jesse's going to be leaving. That for the rest of their lives, they're going to be living in Boston. It's going to take years it's going to take a long time for it to come up. And I want to go ahead and preference you on this for us to understand that even right now, as of today, there's a, a, a friend of ours that Joe will be partnering with named Dan Cove. Uh, I want you to know that they only have a small number of people and they've been there almost six years as a church plant. They have maybe 25 to 50 people at the most. And so I want you to understand that this process that we are entering into, that by... This time next year, we're going to look and go, man, Joe, where's the building at, dude? How's the church growing? How many members do you have now? That's not how it works. 
I want you to know that what is taking place today is a lifelong investment for Sheraw First Baptist Church. Now hear me, I'm going to say this and just put it out there. But even when I am not the pastor of Sheraw First Baptist Church, we are to still support and love on the Polson family. Because I want you to understand, it's not my vision, not Joe's vision, but this is God's vision that we just happen to get to be a part of. Church, I'm telling you, you, you may just be sitting here and go, man, I just, let's just get this thing over. I want to get some chicken. I want you to understand that this right here is in a majorly important day today. There are churches all across our state, all across the United States that would love to have a service that they are sending out somebody from their church to go and plant somewhere else. It's a big deal. But we must be a church that commits to praying and supporting them. When we read in Scripture, the Bible says that they were worshiping and fasting. And then the Bible goes on to tell us that as, uh, as they are being sent, the Bible says they laid their hands on them and they prayed for them. And I want you to know something. That every single Wednesday night is our time where we set aside to pray specifically for at least 30 minutes on Wednesday nights together. I want you to put faces to that, that every Wednesday night that Joe and Jessica can know that we as a church are going to be praying and lifting them up. That they can count on that. But I want you to also know that not only must we pray for them, but we must support them financially, and we must care for them in the days to come. I promise you it's going to be lonely. I promise you it's going to be days of hardship. I promise you that it's going to be some difficult times. But I want you to know, Joe, as from me as pastor, I love you dearly. Man, I'm so thankful for you. And we as a church are going to support you. We're going to stand behind you. We're with you. No matter what. No matter how often you make me angry. But I want you to know, man, that we, we love you tremendously. And so what I want us to, to do at this time, I've asked Steve Howaller, which was on the, the vision trip with us, the, the mission trip with us this past week, I want him to come and just kind of share why he believes it's important for us as well uh, to, to continue to support the Polsons. So, Steve, if you would come.